Thank you so much for joining us for our very first podcast and video chat. Uh, we are here with Reverend Sean Peters from Mosaic, and he is going to tell us all about um, who he is, where is Mosaic, and a little bit about Mosaic and its mission. So Sean, I'll turn it over to you. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so, uh, yeah, my name is Sean Peters. I am uh, uh, an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church and currently serving Mosaic uh, Palm Bay, which is a new church start here in the Florida Conference. We, um, we were uh, sent here in uh, July of 2017 to get started. Uh, Palm Bay is, just so we can kind of place it on a map, Palm Bay is in this in the space coast area on the atlantic coast of florida about um uh well just south of titusville melbourne area so if you're familiar if you if you're driving south on 95 and you you come through the space coast area you'll probably fly right through palm bay and not even know you you were in it but uh it is in fact the largest city in brevard uh, county right now we're about 118,000 um in our population so it's a fairly significant community uh, of small, a smaller, some medium-sized city and uh, lots, lots of potential uh, going on here. We've been going for uh, about four years here now uh, with our, with our new church start. That's awesome. So if you could tell us a little bit more about the community itself in um, Palm Bay, what is the average income like, majority of jobs that people work, um, kind of where um, the homelessness and the need to serve um, kind of falls into that. Yeah, yeah. As I said, we're about 118,000 in population. Uh, our average age here in Palm Bay is between 35 and 54. That's the largest demographic in the area. We're pretty diverse as it as it goes racially. We're about 60% white. Uh, we're about uh, 16 to 18% uh, Black, African American, or Caribbean island, and then about uh, uh, 16% Hispanic. So um, we do have a, a nice, uh, and then there's a, a variety of other cultures and ethnicities that are blended in with that as well. We um, we are, Palm Bay is a very interesting community. It is, as it's a very large city, but there's very little infrastructure. So there's no real defined downtown area in Palm Bay. Um, you really have to go to Melbourne or even over to Orlando to get the, the more of the big city feel. So we're a very residential community. A lot of people live here. The cost of living is a little bit lower than it is in, in other areas, but it also is uh, a pretty low in income uh, area. So uh, about where we, um, our average, uh, average um, uh, per capita employment here, and I'm, I'm looking at my notes, I apologize because I did, I did put some notes down here, but um, about $22,342 annual uh, per capita income. So it's, it's significantly lower than the rest of the state and the nation, of course. And then our poverty rate is about 14%, which uh, is higher than, than the average, uh, almost double the average. Uh, recently, the, the most recent statistics prior to COVID showed that the poverty rate in, in America was hovering right around 9%, greater, of course, now after COVID. But, um, but on, in a regular year, 2018 or 2019, our, our poverty rate here in Palm Bay uh, was significantly higher than uh, than other areas, and we do have a large homeless population here as well. 
And um, as we get more into talking about the specifics of our ministry, um, I'll talk a little bit more about the lack of services that there are in Palm Bay. I think one of the biggest problems is the city grew very quickly. And because there's no real infrastructure and because there's, there wasn't really a game plan in place to, to work with people in poverty or particularly a homeless population, we're, we're, we're really lacking in the services department and in that area right now. So um, could you tell us some of the things that Mosaic does to feed your community? And how, how did this start? What made you guys want to start this? And then basically what has it turned into? Yeah, when we started in 2017, the, uh, we, we actually went through some training prior to coming to Palm Bay with Fresh Expressions and um, specifically the Dinner Church Movement. I, um, I had the privilege of going out to Seattle and meeting with Verlin and Melody Fosner who uh, started community dinners. And um, they're, they're really spearheading the Dinner Church Movement through Fresh Expressions. Fresh Expressions U.S. and uh, I really fell in love with the with the model um, that they that they were doing there. And so we decided we were going to do this really interesting, uh, creative, innovative uh, approach to starting this church, which was looking at it as a new church start, but also looking at it as a fresh expression in many ways. We weren't tethered to a larger church, which is which is the typical model for fresh expressions. So we had the challenge in front of us to try to to create a, a sustainable um, new church start, but we really wanted to focus on um, starting it as a fresh expression. And so we began the whole, and there was a number of reasons behind that. Uh, a, we did a lot of listening that first summer when we got here and we found that there was a real, yeah, as I explained, the, the poverty issue was pretty great. And we felt like there was a, a real need for a church or faith community to address the poverty issues in the area. And so we started with food. We just thought, I mean, a food is a great way to gather people. It's a great way to build community. Um, the scriptures are incredibly clear. So we did a lot of uh, work early on with our lead team. I, I gathered a group of people that first summer I got here, uh, our, our leadership team, which we kind of started with eight people in, a, in the back room of a Panera in the summer of 2017. And I cast the vision for Mosaic, which um, the name itself is a reflection of who we wanted to be as a faith community. Uh, a mosaic piece of art, as, as you probably know, is a um, is a uh, is a is a, a bringing together of a bunch of different broken, colorful, uh, different shapes, different sizes, different pieces of material to create a work of art. And so we just thought, what a great metaphor for a church. And, and that is we wanna to bring together disparate people, different races, different ages, different, you know, very, very inclusive, uh, diverse community uh, of all different shapes and sizes and colors and backgrounds and, uh, and just allow God to create a work of art out of that. And so um, we started there with that idea of hospitality and inclusion and welcome. We, we, we were very clear early on that uh, everyone was welcome. We got this little tagline that says, there's a place at the table for you. So we, we started by, instead of putting rows uh, out and having a you know, ha for lack of a better word, having a show on Sunday, we decided we were going to bring tables together, bring people around the tables, build community, 
develop uh, opportunities for people to communicate and get to know each other. And then we'll build a worship kind of service out of that. And, um, and man, it, it just really worked. People really responded well to that. Folks that I think many folks that were drawn to us early on were folks that uh, were not necessarily welcome in more established churches, uh, people on the margins. Um, and uh, so the diversity really began to uh, develop really early on. Uh, my wife is a um, has, has a restaurant manager's certification, and so it was natural for her to uh, kind of take over the culinary piece of what we were doing. We started developing these really, um, really delicious um, meals. And so it, it wasn't a, it, from the very beginning, it wasn't sort of a soup kitchen kind of an idea. It wasn't even a potluck. It was, we're going to, we're going to get together a team of people and everybody who works in our kitchen has gone through training. They're all, um, they're all licensed food handlers and uh, we do everything uh, with as much professionalism as we can and create wonderful meals for people to eat. So the, the meal is itself just this, this, this bountiful feast, you know, and I learned a lot from dinner church about that. The idea that, you know, you want to put out a lot of food and you want to put out good quality food and you want that to be a real staple of what you're trying to do. We're not trying to attract people just to get them in a room so we can preach at them. We really want to get them in a room so that they can get their, their bellies full if they're hungry, if they need something to eat. And then we allow the gospel to uh, be presented within a, a, a much more laid back kind of um, natural uh, a, a way in doing that. So um, much of the scriptures, as I said, we studied the, the gospel of Luke our first summer. There's a wonderful book out there called uh, Eating Your Way Through the Gospel of Luke. I mean, if you follow Jesus through the Gospel of Luke, it's one meal after another, after another, after another. And then, of course, we landed on Matthew 25, which has been a really important scripture for us where Jesus divides, when he returns, he divides the, the people into two camps, the sheep and the goats. Of course, he says to the ones on his right, the sheep come and inherit your kingdom that was prepared for you before the foundations of the earth. And then he tells them why they get to come in. He says, because when I was hungry, you fed me, you know, so that that whole idea of food and feeding. And, and then there's another really interesting scripture, too, if I may just share this one. I, I love this passage, and I, I think it's it's really an important one. It's Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It, it's such a great passage, and a lot of people know it because it's on pictures, and people have it in their, in their homes. It's a picture of Jesus knocking at the door. And I love the passage. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone will hear my voice and open the door— I will come into them, right? And so we always think about, well, that means Jesus is knocking on our heart, and if we'll open the door, he'll come in. But we leave off the last part of the verse. It says, I will come in, and I will have dinner with you, and you will have dinner with me. And so just the idea of food and feasting and dinner, and, and of course, you know, the Old Testament is all about feasting and fasting and waves of all of that. Food is so integral to the life of the faith community from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And so, so that was a big part of what we wanted to do. And there are hurdles, of course, there are financial um, situations that come along with that. A lot of people ask me, where do you get all the money to buy the food? And we can talk about that. But honestly, much of what we have gotten has been donated. Uh, there are generous people who, who want it. There's more, you guys know this, right? There's so much food in this world. We have more food that we know what to do with. Nobody ever, ever, ever should be hungry on this planet, ever. Amen. 
Yeah. Um, so one of the questions that we often get asked is how do we even like start something? How do we pay for it? How do we, um, what can you recommend to a church or an organization that wants to start something, but isn't quite sure? Do you recommend partnerships or, um, we'd love to hear more about what you would recommend. I absolutely would start with partnerships. And that was something that I really had to learn along the way. I've always been, in everything I've ever done, I've always felt particularly drawn to collaboration. I feel like teamwork team and, and uh, team building and collaboration is really the heart of everything we do. If we try to do it on our own, we're, we're, really, uh, we're, we're really pushing a, a big rock up a, up a mountain that's gonna be a lot harder to do that way. And so in church planting, Sometimes we think about the solo leader and, you know, we're going to get out there, we're going to attack that hill and everything's going to be great. But I think I've learned over the course of, of my ministry that it's ridiculous to try to recreate the wheel. If there are organizations, and I would even say this, because a lot of times we say, okay, we'll collaborate with other churches. And that's, that's a good idea. But what we found here at Mosaic is the nonprofit organizations that are in our community, secular nonprofit organizations, were thrilled to be able to come alongside of us and to partner with us in Palm Bay. So many of the organizations are very active in Melbourne. They have a, a real good presence up there, but they were trying to find ways to get into Palm Bay because they knew the need was so great down here. So when we came in and I began to reach out to the executive directors of some of these nonprofits and say, hey, I'm a pastor in Palm Bay. We have a building. Um, we have a heart to serve the poor and, and the homeless. Would you guys like to, you know, get together and come to view that, you know, take a tour and, and, and all that. They, you know, they jumped at that. And we have actually several executive directors and several staff members of nonprofits who are active members of, of Mosaic today who were not part of any church prior to this, just because they believe so deeply in our vision to, um, to care for the, for the least of these in our community. But, and that's easy. I mean, it's simple. You, all you got to do is reach out. I think sometimes we're, we hesitate and think, well, I don't know if they'd be interested. Just call them up, call a call up somebody at that organization who's doing work that you want to do. If they're, if they're working with the homeless, if they're working in housing, uh, if they're, if they have a food pantry, anything like that, just call them up and say, how can we, can we get together, have a cup of coffee and just talk about what we're doing and figure out a way to come alongside of you and support you and vice versa. And, and I, I think that was, to me, I was really surprised at how easy that was. So I definitely would encourage collaboration, reaching out specifically to organizations that you wouldn't necessarily think about reaching out to. If we can form partnerships with other nonprofits in the, in the, community, it's a win-win for both, uh, both organizations. Then I would just say, um, you know, study, study the scriptures, you know, look at, do a study of the gospel of Luke with a group. Maybe you have a team in your church that has an interest in doing something more. Maybe it's just something as simple as starting a food pantry uh, in your church, or maybe you want to get into food distribution, or maybe you want to start a dinner church. You know, there, if there's any interest in that, there's so many great references and resources that people can look at and get a small team together, uh, work through uh, work through the Dinner Church Handbook, Verlin Fosner's Dinner Church Handbook, if you wanna do that. Um, talk to me, talk to any of the other people in the conference who are doing these kind of things and um, pick their brains and figure out what to do. It's it's really, really not difficult to, 
to make this happen. If you've got two or three folks in your church that have an interest in doing this, and that's key. I mean, empowering lay people is really, really key. The pastor cannot do it by themselves, but the pastor needs to support it. And the pastor needs to uh, champion it from the pulpit and in the newsletters and everything else that they can be the, be the spokesperson, be the champion. But I'll guarantee you in most churches, there's at least one or two lay people who are saying, oh man, I really would love to do this. Or why can't our church be involved in that? And the pastors and the staff need to find those folks, come around them and say, what's your vision? Share that with me and then empower them and say, you go do this, get this started. And we will back you and we will support you 100%. So those those couple things, I would say, uh, partner with other local organizations, empower your lay people to, to do what they feel called to do. And then once you get those lay people on board, um, teach them, help them, work with them, uh, train them uh, to do it. Because if you have a plan in place before you go into it, a lot of people think about starting a dinner church and they get really overwhelmed. You know, we have potlucks every week in our churches. You know, it's not it's not like, you, you know, we don't know how to do food. We, we definitely know how to do this. It's just a matter of changing the mindset of what we're not doing a potluck for us inside. We're doing a potluck for folks out there and changing the name of it. It's not now it's not a potluck anymore. Now it's a dinner to help uh, help meet our neighbors and open our doors and say that you're welcome here and we want you around our table and then begin the process of building a, a worshiping community out of that. That's amazing. Um, one thing, one thought that I had um, while we were talking about that is how we um, or how you were able to transition into caring for the community during COVID and kind of what some of those um, changes or things that you had to do um, to just think creatively during this time. That one was really hard for us, Emily, because so much of what we were about was relational. You know, so much of what we were about was bringing people together and the hugs and the high fives and the physical touch and all of that. You know, we were a very, very relational church. And so having to cease and desist on all of that was very hard for us. We had uh, on a regular week, we had a we had Wednesday night dinner dinners uh, where we we would eat a, a big dinner together and then we'd break into small groups. We had uh, addiction support groups going on. We had emotional support groups going on. It, traditional Bible studies. Wednesday night was really becoming a a really uh, exciting time for us. We had a team that was coming and working the community garden every Monday. So we have this community garden that we planted in between buildings there to grow fresh fruits and produce. And we had a team that was coming and they would. That was becoming a small group. It was becoming its own little fresh expression of the the uh, gardening gang is what they call themselves. So. Um, and then, of course, on Saturdays, we do uh, a lot of outreach to the homeless. We have a partnership with an organization called Streetside Showers that brings a mobile shower unit on property. Uh, Daily Bread, which is an organization up in um, Melbourne, they send folks down to provide lunch. We have a clothing closet. That's still ongoing. So every Saturday, we still do those because most of that takes place outside. Um, our biggest shift was we, moved, we, we wanted to figure out how do we continue to feed people without gathering. So we um, we talked to some folks with the Interfaith Alliance of Brevard. We're, we're, we're active in the Interfaith Alliance here. And they began to form a partnership with the 
Second Harvest Food Bank and VOAD, which is Voluntary Organizations Amidst Disaster. And they were, getting, they were gonna start getting large shipments of produce and different kinds of foods. And they wanted to find churches where they could distribute that food and that those churches could then become a distribution site. And we jumped on that. We said, that's something that we can do. So every Wednesday now, from the time COVID started up to the current day, and we're continuing to do this, every Wednesday we get a, a big distribution. We never know what we're gonna get from week to week. It's exciting to find out what's gonna come in. Um, and we, we sort through all that. We create bags and boxes of, of different food. And then on Thursdays, we uh, do the distribution. So people in this community know that on Thursdays at two o'clock, and I'll tell you, they start lining up around noon, uh, sometimes 11.30 on Thursdays for a 2 p.m. distribution. And that line goes all the way. It's, it's heartbreaking to me be, because there's that much need, but um, I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to be able to do that. And so hundreds of cars every Thursday, we, we load um, food in there. Th Thanksgiving, we were able to give out turkeys, um, just a lot of different opportunities because people, have they have the food and they just don't know exactly how to get it distributed properly so again a church could easily do this just find out the the local food distribution site the places where they're getting bulk food maybe check check second harvest um, second harvest operates throughout most of central florida so you can pretty much connect with them and then just get a few people to come out and put some bags of food together uh, the, our other partner, South Brevard Sharing Center, brings over non-perishable goods, and so we have fresh produce every every week, sometimes meat and cheese and milk from Boad, and then bags of non-perishables, and folks get that every week. So it's enough to really supply uh, a week's worth, at least a week's worth of, of good quality food for families that are in need in this community. And that, that was our biggest shift, was, was moving in that direction. We didn't know if we could continue doing what we were doing, but the food distribution has really helped make um, make the week a little bit more manageable without having to, you know, lament so much about losing uh, our gatherings. But we have really we've started back on Sunday mornings again too um, with social distancing, and we don't eat together any longer. But we do have to go boxes for people to take uh, after the service. So we still have our cook team together. They still prepare food. And it's a good quality lunch, but we just have uh, we've removed the whole eating part together right now for safety and security reasons, but still trying to provide good quality food for people who need it. That's awesome. Well, um, just before we wrap up, if there's any last advice that you have, um, anything that you've missed that you'd like to you know plug in here at the end. I feel like we've covered really a lot of a, a lot of what uh, is happening here at Mosaic, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to share about what we've been able to do here. Um, again, I would just say that what we're doing is not um, it, it's not unique, it's not special, and it's not hard. I mean, I think that any church that's willing to consider doing something to feed people. It can be done. There's plenty of, of resources out there to help uh, help you learn how to do things. There's plenty of food to be distributed. All you need to do is connect with the right people uh, to get that pipeline going. And as soon as you do that, suddenly you, you, you have the opportunity to be able to, to care for a lot of people. And the need is so great right now that I think every church 
really ought to consider some way to incorporate some sort of feeding program into the life of their church. You know, food was so, so integral and so important uh, in the Bible and throughout the history of Christianity that we can't overlook that. You know, I think sometimes we, we tend to think and focus in on certain aspects of our faith, and that's, that's really important to help people to grow, to follow Jesus and become good disciples of Christ. But I also think that discipleship um, in many ways is, is best lived. And Jesus said, come and follow me, right? He said, come and do what I do. And um, we, we have a tendency sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too, to focus our discipleship on learning and head knowledge and helping people just to get the right information in their heads. And we forget that, that Jesus really never said, come and have a Bible study or come and believe in me. He said, come and follow me, do what I do. And when we see Jesus, he's always with the outcasts. He's always with the poor. He's always with the people on the margins and he's always eating. And so there's food that's, that's constantly involved. So I would just say, let's, let's maybe consider what our discipleship programs look like as it relates to serving the least of these and finding ways to, uh, to get food to them because we're in a time in our the life of our country and the life of our church in the life of this planet where this is really really an important important issue well thank you so much um reverend sean peters for being here with us today um i know when i got to visit mosaic it really was just a truly inspiring experience and i'm just so grateful for you and um the leadership that you have for uh, mosaic and um, just the heart that you have to serve and create something new and it is exciting and um it's scary <laughs> and um, you don't always know um what's going to happen next but i feel like even during covid you were able to truly like find new ways to serve and I know that's a gift for your community and um, for our church for for um, the United Methodist Church in Florida as well to know that there's churches um, serving and that are continuing to um, be there rain or shine and so um, I think as we leave um, this conversation today I think I'm gonna um, offer a little word of prayer and then we'll be out. Sound good? Um, wherever you are, car, Facebook, um, let us go, God, in prayer. Lord, thank you for this day that we get to spend in conversation with Reverend Sean and Molly and with all our Fill the Table um, community members, churches, all of the Florida branch campus to learn and grow and to discover new ways to serve um, during COVID and in the life of our church right now. Be with each of us as we go out and find new ways to find food and distribute to have dinner tables and to eat together and to um, build relationships together in this disruptive time that we experience right now. Lord, I pray that you would just us and encourage us and help us to be the people that you've called us to be.